1: Welcome back to the New Books Network. My name is Rin Veeth, and I'm a host on the Human Rights Channel. Today, we have Alora Halem Chowdhury uh, here to discuss uh, her new book, Ethical Encounters, Transnational Feminism, Human Rights, and War Cinema in Bangladesh. Uh, Alora Halem Chowdhury is a professor of Women's Gender and Sexuality Studies at the University of Massachusetts, Boston. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So to start, um, I'm curious as to how you came to write this book in the first place. Um, This is something that you touch on a little bit in both your acknowledgements, which are just beautiful, as well as the prologue to this book. Um, So what brought you to this particular book project?
2: Um, Yes, and thank you again for hosting me today. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, As I talk about in the prologue, I grew up in the shadow of the war and within a nationalist family who endured the various uh, vicissitudes of the war and um, in a very uh, personal way. So uh, it for my generation, I would say that we grew up with stories, um, media representations, just a lot of conversations about um, what our parents' generations went through during the war. And with um, my family, I want to mention that my uh, father was a academic and an intellectual and um, always talked about within his uh, circle of associates and friends um, about what nation building means and um, the various uh, political and activist um, experiences uh, that they had during the war. And at the same time, I would be uh, privy to all these conversations uh, among uh, women in my family, my mother, my aunts, who would always narrate um, what it meant to live through this very violent, traumatic time um, on a day-to-day basis. And it really was uh, quite a contrast in terms of hearing the stories about uh, the political involvement of of multi-dimensional um, men in the war, but also the women's stories, which were um, more about the human experience of war and in these experiences what really stood out to me was that there were no clear-cut victims and uh, perpetrators or that it it was a it was a people's war in the sense that it, it touched wide swaths of uh, populations, and that it also left this very lasting legacy in the way that uh, we see ourselves as a a post-war, post-1971 generation, a generation that is very um, actively thinking about what it means to be Bengali.
1: So, you focus on a select number of of films uh, in this book, and I am curious how you determined which films to focus on. Um, you know how how you made those
2: those choices. Right. You know, I um, I think you know the book it really looks at this no- notion of an encounter, right? So it's a feminist engagement. Um, and with encounters with the reckoning in the form of film, uh, particularly in the ongoing aftermath of this extraordinarily violent and traumatic and complex uh, birth of a liberation movement or Mukti Juddhu that um, resulted in the creation of Bangladesh as a nation in 1971. And Bangladesh has a very rich history of filmmaking about the war, so um, I talk about the films that were made uh, prior to 1971, during 1971, and post-1971. And even as the war was unfolding, um, we have uh, freedom fighters uh, like Zahir Raihan and Alamgir Kobir and uh, Babul Choudhury, who were commissioned by the government at that time uh, to document this um, humanitarian uh, crisis that was unfolding in South Asia. Uh, so we have documentaries like Stop Genocide, um, which l- looks at not only what was happening in the subcontinent um, in terms of mass uh, violations of human rights. um, But also it brought in this sort of global critique of um, the United States, for instance, in supporting West Pakistan and um, the United Nations, how um, it it failed to acknowledge um, this atrocity that was unfolding, Um, and also immediately after the war, it it, it is really unusual that in 1972 itself, we see uh, four feature films being released um, about the war, and um, the directors, even the cast and crew, were often uh, freedom fighters themselves, and so, for instance, this iconic film uh, Ora Agarajon, or you know, they were eleven, uh, which was the first uh, commercially released film about the 1971 war. Uh, featured freedom fighters. The film director himself was a freedom fighter. Uh, so we have this sort of whole genre of film that has uh, an aura of authenticity uh, stamped onto them. Uh, because of not only the subject matter in the immediate aftermath of the war and during the war, uh, but also because of who was making them. Um, but what we see that even while these films were in a way uh, made and circulated to raise awareness about um, this relatively unknown in the global context, um, humanitarian um, crisis in South Asia. Uh, at the same time, it set up these um, very uh, rigid categories through which to look at the war. So we have this, um, you know, mass killings, um, the heroic uh, freedom fighters, the... Uh, Violence, uh, the the murders, the arson, the looting, um, and also we what we see is uh, women w- were portrayed as uh, mostly in minor roles, but usually they entered this whole discourse through through the lens of sexual violence, um, and what women's film in particular in um, Bangladesh in this consta- context has done is really push those limited representations and um, opened up a way to think about suffering um, and the violence inflicted but um, in a more structural way and that continues in the everyday. Um, so. Their lives go largely unspoken, except for in these films that um, are willing to help us see them in a more multi-dimensional way. Um, so, film in this context is a, a a really what you know Pakistani film historian Nasreen Rahman calls a multi-sensory archive. It's a unique and a very um, important archive that uh, helps us think about the notions of witness and um, complicate the work of silence um, in uh, films in post-1971 Bangladesh.
1: One of the um, big threads in this book is your consideration of national cinema. And I was wondering if you could speak a bit to what UC national cinema is in this context, because it feels very important, um, and also how your analysis of national cinema really unsettles these binary assumptions of women's experiences. And here, I'm thinking of you know throughout the book, you you break down these binaries between like oppression, resistance, uh, things things like that.
2: Right. I draw on this notion of national cinema from uh, the work of uh, Catherine Masood and Tariq Masood, who um, are really important um, filmmakers in Bangladesh, and um, they demonstrate how national cinema is constitutive of the founding moment of a nation, but also, what we consider constitutive of a national uh, culture, um, a memory, and um, identity. Um, and what I try to do in the film is um, really broaden that sense of um, national cinema and how in Bangladesh it captures the particularities of the war and the post-1971 identity making, but also how uh, that cannot be looked at without a broader trans-regional and even transnational history-making of um, decolonization and movements for uh, liberation. Um, And... Within national cinema, as we know, nationalism itself has its exclusions. And the nationalist cinema in Bangladesh also um, is premised upon a number of exclusions. So the production um, of the the cinema happening within a kind of a middle-class urban based uh, movement that has come to define what national liberation has meant um, for Bangladesh. Um, And this very kind of heteronormative, uh, middle class, uh, masculine experience then that defines um, the struggle for self-determination. And women's cinema in this particular kind of a, a context then um, really enables the production of a oppositional as well as a counter narrative um, to uh, these exclusionary stories. Um, and also to really think about the the multiple subjectivities um, that are, not captured within uh, a nationalist frame and even uh, a frame of uh, human rights which is another um, area that i engage in conversation with nationalism and how it helps us think about um, alternative ways of thinking about the human beyond what uh, post-colonial and enlightenment notions of uh, humanity um, allows us to do. So
1: building on that, um, perfect segue because my next question is about um, human rights cinema. So as well as national cinema, you speak to this idea of human rights cinema. And for those who might not be familiar with this framing, how do you see human rights cinema, and how is this a useful category for you in this project?
2: Right, I think you know it's a um, really useful category in thinking about ways in which women filmmakers, in particular, um, as well as women-centric um, cinema about the war. Has um, conceptualized ideas about um, gender and sexuality, and um, also agency. And you know, when I think particularly about um, the certain tropes through which war cinema has gained this kind of um, place in the national imagination about what it means um, to be Bengali and um, what the struggle for self-determination entailed, Um, looking at ways that filmmakers like um, Rubaiyat Hossein, for instance, um, in uh, the film Meherjan, which is a a film that came out in 2010, um, represents women's uh, subjectivity. It, it really at the one hand um, disrupts the nationalist tellings of um, women's roles in the cinema, um, but it also disrupts uh, the way that women's uh, sexual subjectivity has been constructed within the nation. And what are the legible forms through which we come to understand uh, victimhood um, and, um, and, and agent within a particular context of uh, national uh, suffering. Uh, so, for instance, in this uh, film, uh, we have uh, a number of um, female characters, um, including uh, a survivor of sexual violence, uh, Nila, and we also have a war- child who uh, was born um, off rape um, during the war, and who was uh, later on given up in um, adoption to a foreign family, who returns to the nation um, in search of uh, truth, in search of her identity. Um, And both of these depictions open up new ways of thinking about citizenship and um, women's agency. So for instance, uh, the character of um, Nila in the film talks about how the violence that uh, she has endured during the war um, and while she was in a camp held captive by Pakistani soldiers. Um, and um, the experience of um, sexual violence was uh, not the only time that she has experienced mm-hmm. a, a violence in her life. So it, 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 it connects uh, wartime violence with non wartime violence. Um, and aesthetically speaking, um the film also uh, is a is a war film but however it does not show any of the violences of war visually. Um, however, when we see the construction of these characters like Nila or the war child who has returned to the nation in search of her identity the, trauma the aesthetics of trauma is um very much omnipresent in the in, in in the film um in in various ways in the way that um the characters speak about their past um also in in terms of the the sound and the lighting and the music the use of all of these to really create um what a palestinian film scholar um, Hamid Dabashi has called a traumatic realism, um, and how that these uh, films have have aesthetically uh, woven into them this I, this notion of a sublated violence, uh, a, 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 a violent past that hasn't really been reckoned with um, fully and. So it's very much immersed within this um, aesthetic of um, trauma uh, as a whole. And what we also see is that um, this particular film was met with a a lot of resistance um, in Bangladesh. um, And um, audiences coming from various walks of life were very disturbed. By um, a this depiction of um, war, wartime violence as not the only time that women have perhaps um, experienced uh, sexual violence, and the response being that this is um, somehow diminishing the the violences that happened during the war, um, and of course. The 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 also the representation of the survivor of sexual violence in the film has been criticized um, in, in the way that uh, that how a lot of. Um, critics found the character um, to be very bold and um, very expressive, and both in the way that she spoke, um, also the way that um, she was dressed, that she was somehow considered not to be an authentic victim and therefore not worthy of um, empathy. And um, I think, you know, I, I draw on... Um, scholars, particularly Black feminist scholars, who have talked about this notion of uh, summer suffering and trauma, um, and the, in, in, the, in, in light of the legacy of um, enslavement, um, and uh, how uh, Black women in popular culture. Uh, tend to be represented um, through these ideas of the controlling image, Patricia Hill Collins' notion of the controlling image, that um, they are categorically represented um, as victimized and as um, and, and Black women's sexuality in particular, um is then used as a site of um, construction by the state and popular um, media as a site of objection um, and various kinds of discourses of nationalism, um, state violence, uh, religiosity, um, these are contested through. Um, the way that um, women's bodies become the very site of contestation of these, um, how these discourses play out. Um, And so I, I use these ideas to think about how in Bangladeshi war cinema also, women's subject positions have been Created through these very rigid um, ideas about what and how a victim should look like, and also how they should speak about um, their their suffering and their struggles, and in in and and what it allows me to do is uh, by engaging in this critique of um, women filmmakers, diverse representations of women's um, roles in the war, Uh, it it expands our, uh, in a way, our visual uh, understanding and expands our feminist looking into these topics uh, in in a way that defies the colonial and, um, enlightenment discussions around humanity, um, and, uh, and agency. This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
0: Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail from accepting payments to managing inventory
1: So um, to to ask you a question about something that you that you just mentioned, um, a a little bit of a longer question, um, but you engage a lot with black feminist scholarship and something. It it seemed particularly salient to me that, that you're really engaging with this Black feminist scholarship, particularly around ideas of surveillance and control. Here, I'm thinking of your engagement with Patricia Hill Collins, thinking through rape and lynching as an institutionalized practice aimed at oppressing Black people, so not just gender rights, gender and race. Um, and this also came up in terms of racialization. Um, as you write on page uh, one seventy five technologies of racialization dispose of bodies, appropriate them as products, and fix them within a visual grid. And so I would love to hear more about how black feminist scholarship helped you explore and engage with these ideas of you know not not just surveillance and control, but also you know surveillance
2: and and control. Um, right. so I. Uh... I draw on a, a, a black feminist analysis of essentially what it means to be human and and ways of living that is not always recognizable through uh, an enlightenment and um, a post-colonial framework of Humanity that has come to dominate human rights paradigms when we engage uh, visually or politically um, with instances of um, suffering or struggle or decolonization movements. And um, so in the work that some of the filmmakers um, have done in Bangladesh, um, we see this expansion of the notion of humanity uh, come into light. So, if you look at the film Shadhinata, or *A Certain Liberation*, uh, made by uh, filmmaker Yasmin Kabir, it tells the story of, uh, again, a survivor of the war, um, Gurudashi Mondol, who is an elderly woman, who um, at the time living in Kulna district. Um, and interestingly enough, in the film, we see that she is not represented or talked about as being a Birangona woman. Now, Birangona, the title itself, it means uh, courageous woman or a war heroine. And it was a honorific that was uh, bestowed on uh, women survivors of sexual violence um, in the immediate aftermath of the war by um, the government of Bangladesh in a, in a really globally unprecedented gesture. Um, in a post-conflict situation, to r- recognize the uh, the roles and particularly the sacrifices that women um, have made in uh, nationalist struggles, um, in enabling the nation to emerge as a as 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 uh, as independent, and. What we have seen that also in post-war Bangladesh, this um, honorific uh, has also further stigmatized uh, women, such that um, many women did not want to be associated with that title because um, it meant further um, rejection from the community and um, their families. And in this film, what we see is uh, gurudashi mondal the uh, the protagonist around whom the fil- film um, is constructed uh, she really defies these categorization in, in in many ways so the film opens with some historic footage of what nationalist leaders have promised the nation and promised the ordinary people of Bangladesh for um, their sacrifice in the war. And uh, that is juxtaposed by um, Gurudashi mondol herself directly engaging the filmmakers and asking them why they are even having this conversation with her and if they have been sent by these same nationalist leaders who we see making um, these very um, powerful statements about the freedom that all um, citizens of Bangladesh uh, have um, enjoyed as a result of this um, war and the various kinds of sacrifices. And we also see that the community members that she lives among um, address her as uh, someone who is a, a good woman, someone who is a loving uh, mother, someone um, who may be a mad woman. Um, so, in, in various terms, but uh, neither Gurudashi Mondor nor anybody in the community uh, necessarily refers to her um, as a Birangana woman. And what it really alludes to is that how um, this, the way that women have, particularly survivors um, of the war, have been uh, memorialized and also um, integrated into the story of national liberation um, is incomplete. It doesn't really capture um, the various dimensions of um, women's uh, struggle, including sexual violence, but also structural violence of um, other sorts, and also in uh, not fully recognizing in the ways in which that women perhaps want to be integrated in the national story. So, for instance, one of the things that uh, gurudashi mondal um, asserts in the film is that she wants to sit down with the prime minister and share, um, in, in an attempt to share some of the burden that of, of pain that she lives with. Um, and we also see in the film that uh, she is dressed in sort of the colors of the national flag um, and is wearing this uh, cap that says victory to Bangladesh. Um, And she makes this attempt to go and see the prime minister when she happens to be in her town for a rally commemorating the war. Um, And and there's an image of uh, Guru Shimondho in in the film um, looking at the camera Across um, these bars, these very sort of you know prison like bars, and she talks about how she was held back from um, meeting with the prime minister and sharing um, this burden of, of um, a pain that she carries with her, and that may have been lessened if um, somebody actually um, sat down and listened to um, her um, her experience. We, what we also see in another really extraordinarily illuminating moment in the film is the way in uh, which Guru um implicates the viewer and the filmmaker um, in a in a gesture of um, witness um, a, and also alliance making uh, to come with her in this journey and. Uh, so I- instead of being someone who is um, being represented she is very much part of this um, multi-dimensional process of the storytelling um, in which she is encouraging uh, viewers and um, filmmakers themselves uh, to be integrated in that journey in producing something That might be uh, broadening the notions of um, humanity um, and subjectivity. And I think that um, this expansion of what it means to be human um, is really very importantly um, demonstrated in Black feminist theory. Um, And I'm also thinking about the work of um, Saidia Hartman, um, who has talked about reading the silences in archives and this idea of a critical fabulation that perhaps enables um, readers and uh, scholars and um, uh, witnesses to think about ways that are not always commensurable or capturable um, in narratives of uh, national liberation and, and women's emancipation, um, but to take a pause and to really think about the uh, silences in a in a generative way. And um, I think that women's cinema um in Bangladesh in both its um, aesthetics and political vision um, helps us realize that.
1: So I was really struck while reading your wonderful book about the differences between gendered experiences of the nation Um, as you write on page 85, which I just, I love that phrase. Um, and then also how this is quite different from women as nation, that sort of symbolism. And I was wondering how you see these differences, um, within the frame of visual culture, because it seems like a lot of this book is really, it's really unsettling some of these, um, again, like binary symbolic assumptions. And I'm, I'm also thinking in terms of some of the pushback that you note, um, to, to some of these films?
2: Um, right. I mean, I think that, again, it, it goes back to this um, very rigid ways that um, we have come to understand the struggle for liberation and um, that f- what... Feminist uh, scholars really help us um, open up that conversation. So, for instance, um, Anne McLean talks about all nationalisms are violent. And, uh, you know, if you look at also transnational feminist scholars who have talked about um, how women's bodies are sites of embodied knowledge production um, in the context of conflict and war and trauma. And I'm particularly thinking about um, Latin American feminist scholars um, who've also really uh, furthered our understanding um, of of this uh, phenomenon of um, uh, knowledge emanating from an experience of um, trauma. And I think that it, the genre of film that I engage with um, really draws from those lessons and illuminate a different kind of feminist um, knowledge-making. And I'm thinking of um, this documentary uh, film called Born Together by Shabnam Ferdosi, in which she traces uh, the stories of um, a number of uh, children of war. And uh, one in particularly, Monwara Clark, who, Um, returns to Bangladesh in search of uh, a birth certificate, uh, in search of her roots, in in, in search of her um, mother. And again, she, as part of the post-war policy, of um foreign adoption of uh, children um who were born of rape uh, during 1971 uh, she was also adopted by a canadian family and um she talks about how the imprint of the war is very much part of uh her not only her memory and of her um, identity, but literally it's imprinted on her body. So she talks about how her mother was uh, struck by uh, a bayonet by uh, a Pakistani soldier and uh, while Monwara Clark was still in her mother's womb. And so that imprint from that um, strike is on her body. And it is a way that um, her subjectivity has been, has emerged out of that trauma. And that her uh, positionality as a, a survivor of war, Uh, who has been given up by the nation of Bangladesh, and the kinds of violences that that has enacted on women in multiple registers, um, and how that continues to enact different forms of violence um, on um, different generations of uh, survivors of the war, and how that should be folded into, um, the story of, um, the nation and, um, and in our also attempts to, um, recognize the, 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 the citizenship of, um, the children of war who, um, have not been granted that. Um, who have not been granted that. So um, I think, again, this idea of um, binary ways of thinking about um, the nation in terms of um, agent and victim and perpetrator and violence, uh, even emancipation and oppression are really opened up uh, by the questions that are uh, raised in, in these uh, f- films. And also it, it gives us a way to think about um, an embodied feminist knowledge production and an aspiration towards uh, justice. As um, I talk about in the film that these are all really uh, justice seeking Films and also what that justice should look like um, is very much informed by um, these layering of um, violent encounters, but also that how engaging with this kind of an encounter of uh, feminism and um, humanity and visual practices. That we might be thinking of justice in a in a in a different way.
1: So, I could speak with you for hours about this book, um, but we are unfortunately approaching um, the end, and so I have um, one more one more question for you about this book be, before we we close. Um, you start the epilogue of this book with a very provocative question that I've just been sitting with for weeks why does human rights discourse collect narratives of pain and why do viewers need them in order to prove harm was done? Page 178 and You note a number of different instances where, you know, people are um, resistant or have uh, strong reactions um, to some of the films that you discuss. Um, but you also note some other examples of when, you um, for example, people, uh, women, women, I should say, who believe that they're going to meet, you know, government representatives are instead pushed to give testimony about Horrible things that that happened to them during the war, um, and so yeah, I, I would just be curious to um, you know just because I have the the honor and privilege of of speaking with you today to flip that question back back towards you um, and to to ask you you know why do why does human rights discourse collect narratives of pain and why do viewers need them in order to prove
2: harm was done? How do you see that that question? Um, right, that's a really critical question um, in the book and. I think what I'm thinking about is the way that silence and speech have come to serve it within the whole industry of um, human rights and and how silence and speech then also um, govern and discipline the ways in which that, witnesses and um, subjects of human rights are are able to articulate their experience or not. And um, really thinking through the the whole human rights industry um, in Bangladesh and their engagement with um, women victims on a number of fronts. And I'm thinking particularly about, um, again, the film Born Together, which brings to light the, the routine ways that war has been memorialized in various uh, public forums and that um, survivors of war are called upon to give testimonials Uh, for various uh, state representatives or national and international human rights um, institutions, representatives uh, to tell a particular story uh, about the war. And again, that these uh, frames do not quite capture the complexity and um, the subjectivity of, um, of survivors. And I look at one particular example of um, a war child who um, is an adult male and he accompanies his mother to an event in Dhaka city held at the press club. And it is quite stark um, that Shudhir Bormon, Um, This um, young man is shown seated in a row of empty seats at the back of the auditorium and juxtaposed that with a panel of experts on a stage who are going to be talking about um, justice for war victims. And he's uh, summoned at one point to come on stage and talk about his experience and Um, He talks about growing up uh, poor and destitute and um, not having a father and what that has meant uh, for him at a psychological, um, in the psychological realm, but also in the social and economic um, realm. And he walks off. Uh, stage uh, with tears in his eyes behind the panel of experts. And it's a it's a very telling moment, I think that that captures the how the human rights um, paradigm and also institutions um, use survivors narratives and stories and silence in instrumental ways to um, further, uh, uh, a narrative of uh, of savior and victimization, where um, again uh, the, the 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 complex humanity um, of individuals are not quite engaged with in a in a full dimension, and so I think you know it speaks to the again. The en- enlightenment ideas of pain and suffering, and how those must be um, alleviated through certain me- mechanisms. And these um, mechanisms might be, tr- you know, truth and reconciliation uh, vehicles, and that survivors can enunciate their pain when called upon um, and that these frameworks also provide um, a kind of a way to what feminist scholar, Nayanika Mukherjee, she calls it it, 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 it gives one a narrative license in a way to construct narratives that fits a particular uh intent or paradigm that um, has a a very kind of a packed closure and formulated within it. And um, so there's always, of course, uh, ways that these uh, silences and speech um, don't exceed those kinds of paradigms. And uh, so how can we really engage with those um, silences and an aberrant speech uh, that, that might uh, help us think about justice um, in, a, in a broader way beyond these legalistic kinds of um, repetitive uh, testimonial um, giving instances.
1: Thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for speaking with me about Ethical Encounters. Um, Before we close, would you like to let listeners know about other projects
2: you might be working on? Oh, sure. So I'm continuing um, my work on women's uh, cinematic narratives and um, looking at women's cinema and how it constructs the idea of uh, the new Bangladeshi woman within discourses of development um, and globalization um, in post-independent Bangladesh. So I'm moving away from a nationalist framing um, to other kinds of uh, broad discourses that have come to Uh, shape identity for um, the national subject and very sort of multidimensional, contradictory, contestatory identities of um, women within um, discourses of globalization and um, development in Bangladesh.
1: Sounds so exciting. Um, Thank you again for speaking with me and have a great rest of your day.
2: Thank you, Reen. It's been a pleasure.